Good morning, and welcome into the Cap and J Hood Morning Show here on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. With David Kaplan, Childhood Hood with you, we got Jay, we got Jay Moore, we've got Charlie as we broadcast live here from the NFL Combine. We are the home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN 1000, and now it's time for Shot or No Shot. Still to come, we'll hear from Ryan Poles, the general manager for the Chicago Bears. He's coming up at the bottom of the hour, 8.30 right here on ESPN 1000. It's now time for Shot or No Shot. Here's Shane Norling. Shay. Second edition of Shot or No Shot today. I'm putting in overtime. Yeah, snore it up. Let's go. If you missed the first one, available on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcasts. But yep. let's get started right now. Ryan Poles, he told us something I found a little interesting about the time it will take to build out depth and how he can do that. Listen to this cut. I'm not going to say it's, it's, it's not easy drafting in the first, you know, 50 picks, first 100 picks. But you got to do a really good job being able to see different traits and makeup on the back end of the draft too. Because uh, those guys, as you accumulate them and they're developing, they can provide that depth. Um, and the same with free agency. So I really think that's important. Uh, as you know, especially up front, I was talking to one of the uh, O-line coaches. I don't know if I've been on a team where the front five plays all 18 games. Mm-hmm. So that next group of guys that have to fill in have got to be ready to go and play at a high level and be able to mesh with the rest of them. All right, he's already shown he can hit on the late-round picks, especially on the offensive line. He got Braxton Jones in the fifth round. Guy played every single down, was the only Bears offensive player to do that. Shot or no shot, you trust that Poles can build out depth through the end of the draft? Yeah, that's a shot. I think he understands. He addressed it where certainly they need star players. What did Bill Polian say? You need 10 to 12 core blue-chip players to have a team that you feel like could make a run in the playoffs. We've got one, maybe two. Maybe Brisker's one. We'll see. Certainly Justin's one. Yep. Beyond that, we don't know. But I think he also addressed depth 100% is a huge concern for this team, and I trust that guy. It's, it's a shot only because, Shay, whether it's through the draft or free agency, he's going to have to. He's going to have to. Like I said at the beginning when he got the job that he'll have two head coaches – He'll have two. If it doesn't work out with those two and you haven't knocked down a championship, he's going to be out. There's no doubt. So I believe that he's going to have to. It starts with quality depth. And, again, we, I, I'm realistic enough to know that it's not going to be uh, a home run with every pick and every choice. However, I know that just like Eberflus, his time is limited as well. This is how it works in the National Football League, right? Unless you're just, uh, just bad at your job, you'll have two coaches. Let's see what Poles does. All right, Todd McShay on the subject of combine rumors reported recently that Jalen Carter has, quote, character issues. Last night we heard some of the same in our whispers at the bar hoodie. Uh. Jalen Carter is a bit of a pain. He's got a mean streak. He's got some superstar streak to him. But I, my question is a little different. Shot or no shot? Character issues, that phrase, is the combine equivalent of the worst sports cliche. Um... Yeah, I'm going to say no shot because character matters. If you don't have good character, now you could be an a-hole, you can be edgy, you can be someone that people aren't comfortable around. I heard all that stuff 
when Olin Krutz got drafted. He was on, he told us, he was on do not draft boards because oh, that guy's got a mean streak, he's angry. And he turned out to be a Hall of Fame anchor for the Chicago Bears at center. Phenomenal, and I love the guy. So, no, it's not the combine equivalent of whatever it is, how you phrased it. What it is is I think it becomes a crutch at times for people that don't understand guys like that. Yeah, I I would say it's a shot only because of the last thing you just said, right? So it's overused. It is, but also there's a disconnect as far as culture. Here's what I mean. Somebody that is from a different area or different time may not understand the circumstances and the background of the athletes that they're trying to choose for the draft. It could be somebody from a whole different area. I'm not talking about Silver Spoon as much as it is, hey, I came up this way. But you have to understand, Cap, as you well know as a talent evaluator, there's going to be some people that you choose who are like, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand your background. I don't understand that you had to use a water hose to use for a shower. I'm not understanding how you had to make ends meet. You know, just live and check the check. There's going to be a disconnect there as far as character. And because of the background of said player, maybe that person doesn't understand what it takes to be a professional. You always have the great story about a certain player in basketball that had no understanding of even how to write a check or to take care of his suits, Correct. all that, with Correct. the Kwame Brown story, Correct. right? Correct. You tell that story for our, our new listeners. So Kwame Brown gets drafted out of, I believe, like Smyrna, Georgia, whatever yeah. the town was. Yeah, that's right. It was 800 people. Yep. They take him to the tailor. He's the number one pick. He has never had a checking account. They don't have a dry cleaner in his, in his town. He has no idea other than being seven feet and wildly gifted. Mm-hmm. And Doug Collins' quote was, shame on us for not understanding the changeover. And so they take him to the tailor. Taylor makes him 15 suits. They put index cards in the pocket. Wear with blue shirt, brown shoes, this belt, these socks. He has no idea what any of this is. He's been in shorts his entire life. Yep. The plane is waiting to go on the road. And he's not there. They're like, okay, something's wrong. The kid's always on time. What is going on? Take the team. One of the assistants goes to his place. Knocks on the door. Doors open. He walks in. Kwame, are you in here? He's in tears sitting. All my clothes are ruined. I can't get on the flight because they had a dress code. What do you mean? He put them in the washing machine. Tailor-made suits. Destroyed all of them. He didn't know what a dry cleaner is. Well, shame on the organization for not taking him and saying, here's how you write a check yep. so that your mortgage is paid, yep. and here's how you go to the dry cleaner, and here's how you do that. He knew none of it, and it affected his whole career. Right, right. And so the reason why I want to have to tell that story is because it goes along the lines that we talk about with character issue. Because of, what, of that story, Kwame Brown, you can't have him on your team. That Qua- guy, character. Character issue. Right, and there's where it's overused. That's what that's, I'm saying. That's, yeah. Well, that's the reason why we told that story. Right, is because it's a great story. because Kwame Brown was just like this. Oh, he's a malcontent. This, Correct. This guy, he's immature. He's moody. He's withdrawn. Because he, right. This is, it's like dropping you, me, and Shay in the middle of China and going, "Good luck." Right. Don't really? speak the language. I don't speak the language. Yeah. I don't know. The, we have a character issue. I don't know the financial system. Todd McShay, the Cap and Jay Hood show in China. Character issue. Right. 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 Now, again, right. Tank Johnson, 
former Bear, yep. had a character issue, and it reared its head. Mm-hmm. Alonzo Spellman had an issue. Like, there are guys that do have issues. But there's a disconnect, though, when you don't understand where the person's background's from. And, the, and it's a longer conversation, but I'll just short it by saying this. There are some talent evaluation, uh, evaluators, Shay, that think that when you're 18 to 22, you should already be an adult. And that's not fair. Right? It's not. So when we talk about uh, you know, character issue, think about the kid's background first. Find out about his parents, his upbringing, and then you could be able to work from there. Don't already set the seed that says, well, you're, you know, well, we drafted you first, so you've got to be a model citizen. Well, maybe that's not his background or his makeup first. Not every so. kid went to New Trier or Naperville. There are kids that yeah. grew up in horrific situations. Yeah. So, All Trey. right. Very quickly, and then we'll get to Patrick Kane. I have to wrap this up with the Bears because I saw a lot of articles about this. Yeah. Uh, Knowing they need wide receiver help. Well, the Giants yesterday let Kenny Galladay go. Galladay put two two thousand or two thousand yard seasons together, 2018, 2019, and he was with the Lions. Bloom came off the rose with the Giants last year. He couldn't get on the field uh, with a team that had no receivers. Got six catches, eighty one yards total. Shot or no shot, though, Bears should take a cheap flyer on him as a reclamation. How much does it cost? Nothing. I- yeah, sure. There's there's a reason that he couldn't get on the field yep. when he signed a $72 million deal with the Giants. The Bears were in there. Thought they might have a shot to get Hometown him. Hometown guy. Didn't he go to Northern? Where did Kenny Galladay go? I think so. I think he went to Northern Illinois. He went to NIU, yep. Yeah, he yep. was an NIU guy. And I think he went to St. Rita or one mm-hmm. of them. And Rita's. Look, do I bring him to camp on a make-good deal? But am I paying that guy... Five, six, seven million, which would be a bargain for a high-level receiver. No, I'm not. Uh, as I as I tell you, Cap, it all depends on how much. Right. right. So, so I would say no shot until I know how much that would cost. Correct. Because again, that cap space, that number, uh, the the money that's going to be allocated, that's very valuable to me. As valuable as a draft pick for me, because I need to know. Who's going to be able to be on this offensive line, defensive line? Agreed. It's, just, it's so very important. All right, coming up, one of the all-time greats is no longer in a Chicago uniform. We talk about Patrick Kane coming up next. Don't forget, Ryan Poles, the general manager of the Bears. You'll hear from him coming up at 830 right here on the home of the Bears, ESPN 1000. Cap and Jay Hood are back. Back, back, back. Broadcasting live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis from 5 a.m. to 9 on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Your new home of the Chicago Bears. Glad that you're with us here on the home of the Bears, ESPN 1000 with David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood with you. Coming up at 8.30, you'll hear from Ryan Poles, the general manager for the Chicago Bears, his thoughts about the Bears in the draft and what he likes about his current roster. It's all coming up at the bottom of the hour right here on Chicago's Home for Sports and Home of the Bears, ESPN 1000. Um, a quick sidebar, may I approach? Yes, brought to you by Ankin Law, 3126 million for the great Howard Ankin. Put that lawyer in your phone. Sign my ball or sign my puck when we talk about Patrick Kane, mm-hmm. right? You think about this, Cap. It's, this, is, this is amazing what happened here. We knew it was coming, but until you get the news, it doesn't hit you. And what we found out is that Patrick Kane was traded to the New York Rangers. Great players are always remembered and really embraced in this city. But you think about Kane and Taves, Crawford, 
and so many that were on this Blackhawks team to make it special. Three Stanley Cup championships, and Patrick Kane was the, is the beginning of this, the beginning, the middle, and the end because of how great a player that he was. And now he's no longer here. He's in a Ranger sweater. Yeah, he's a blue shirt now, and we wish him well. I'm a fan of Patrick's. I, I don't think I ever told you the story. He gets drafted. Mm-hmm. They bring him to Wrigley like a day or two later to throw out the first pitch. I'm doing the pre and the post on TV. So we're there, and Todd Hollinsworth and I are in the press dining at Wrigley, which you've been in. Yep. It's like the three of us. And he walks in. I think he's somebody's son. I don't know who the guy is. And he's like, excuse me, can I get a drink from that machine right there? I'm like, yeah, help yourself, buddy. Uh, who are you? Is your dad one of the broadcasters? He's like, no, I was the number one pick in the NHL draft the other night. <laughs> what? <laughs> right. He was tiny. Yeah. Now he's ripped and jacked and thinning hair, and he's in his 30s, and he's a dad, and he's got three Stanley Cups and the Art Ross and the Calder and the Rookie of the Year and the this and the that. Dude, he's going to be missed, and I would argue that he might be the guy who's on the Mount Rushmore, if you so to speak, if you took the four greatest Chicago athletes of our lifetime. So you go to Pro uh, Hockey Reference and you try to figure out, okay, everything that Kane has done, how does it equate to other great players? Tell me this, Cap. Marcel Dion, Joe Sackick, Steve Eiserman, Brett and Bobby Hull, Jerome McGinley, Gordy Howe, any of those players any good? Pretty decent. Yeah, those are the Hall of Famers that equate to Patrick Kane's career. So to put in perspective, even if you're not a hockey fan, and again, it's not, it's not overrating Patrick Kane. The numbers speak for themselves. But when you equate his numbers to someone as great as the Detroit Red Wing he was, Steve Eiserman, Brett and Bobby Hall, Jerome McGinley, who was a great Calgary Flame, uh, Marcel Dion, Gord, Gordy Howe, excuse me? When you think about that, that's how great a Blackhawk that he was. To the point where I'll tell you this, Cap, and you know I'm an 80s kid that grew up listening on the radio to Pat Foley. Mm -hmm. Solo. This is before Dale Talon, Billy Gardner, before Edzo. Listening to my team, the 80s teams, the Orville Tessier teams, the Savards, the Secords, the Larmers, the Bannermans. That that was my team. Those are my teams. Uh And those teams were good. Really good. No Stanley Cup championship, but they were always in the mix. Always. That's all we we asked for is going to be a a playoff team. Let me tell you, Dennis Savard is my favorite hockey player from Chicago of all time. But I don't think there's any question, it's my first time saying that, Patrick Kane is just light years ahead of what Savard did. As great as Savard was, Patrick Kane is the greatest Blackhawk in my lifetime. Completely agree. Without question. And I loved Savvy. And sorry, Edzo, but you're not going to nose him out. Uh, You don't have to. Kaner, what he accomplished, the way that we watched him grow up before our very eyes, and it was not without bumps and bruises along the way, and that guy was a beast, and we were all better off that he played in our city. Yeah, I mean – Nine-time All-Star selections, the Hart Trophy, the Calder Trophy, the Art Ross Trophy, the Conn Smythe. He was able to do all this in 16 seasons at just age 34. We knew it was going to happen, Cap. We knew that the other shoe was going to drop. Like, okay, the question was always over the last couple seasons, like, why is he still here? Why is Tave still here? You know that. I mean, you're just wasting your good years on a Hawks team that's not going anywhere. And so now he's gone. Okay, so you mentioned all the trophies. Snorling. 
Can you tell me what the Art Ross Trophy is for? Ah, trivia time. Go ahead. Scoring title, right? Very good. Can you tell me what the Con Smythe Trophy is for? MVP of the postseason. Very good snorling. We are your home for hockey knowledge on this show. How about that? I know a couple things. I can tell you what the Calder Cup is, too. Detroit made. That's right. Hockey town. He's so shocked. He, he was prepping to just rip me. Look I at was. him. He's stunned. <laughs> now, what, now where do we go, Cap? Now what do we do? We're done talking about hockey. Okay. <laughs> How about this? John Fox is an assistant for the Lions. It became officially official a couple hours ago. Mm-hmm. Will he get a ring before the Bears? Yes. He will not. No. So you're saying the Lions will not win a Super Bowl before the Bears? I hope not. John Hiring John Fox is the start of the downhill slope. Well, well, yeah, that, he's just there for a couple <laughs> I mean, of He took, what, two teams to the Super Bowl? Wait, he's the only non-player that's on that coaching staff now? Uh, yeah, I think so. Because the they of kept the rest of the staff. All the rest of them are players. It's all former players. players, and John Fox is an assistant. Well, that's an odd look. I mean, John's had a hell of a career now. Let's be, let's, <laughs> right. I, we like to have our fun with John because he wasn't very good in Chicago. He had mm-hmm. a bad team. John's be the head coach of two teams that go to the Super Bowl. He's the nicest freaking guy in the world. Yeah. That, that's a good, what is his role? Uh, looks like senior defensive assistant. Oh, that's a nice emeritus role for him. Put yeah, because he was terrible on radio. <laughs> well, yeah, that's he what was is not it? A broadcaster. All these gigs in the NFL—the senior defensive assistant, the senior consultant, the assistant to the assistant to the head coach—just giving guys gigs so they can sit up in the press box and drink coffee during the game. That, that's well, you get that, some knowledge from him. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, Cap. But that sounds like you put your feet up there. It's just like John. It's good to have another mind in the room. Right. That's what it sounds like. Like you come in and you're like, oh boy, how are we going to? defend that guy yeah he might have a nugget for you that he's used as a successful head coach again it didn't work out well in chicago i thought it was an ill-conceived hire from day one john fox has had a wonderfully successful coaching career how many guys take two different franchises to the super bowl not many i understand but sometimes your your time is up your time's up and that whole thing with the bears is i knew at the time one, it was great for the Bears to have some kind of, you know, some experience in the head coaching spot for the first time ever. But secondly, I knew that was a transitional hire as well. By the way, people that are asking, I'm getting some tweets. Yeah. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer will be the voices of the team oh, now that the broadcasts are here. And there is our guy, Jeff Joniak, right over there where they're doing some other of the interviews. So uh, very, very cool to be able to say that they are going to be on the broadcast for the Chicago Bears continuing here on the new home of the Bears, ESPN 1000, baby. Take that. All right, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our telephone number here as uh, we uh, talk to you about the Chicago Bears. And, again, it's just great for us to be here in Indianapolis to uh, – be able to sit down and talk to Ryan Poles, which we'll hear from Poles coming up. And about uh, at 8.35, we'll hear from uh, Ryan Poles. But good to be able to talk to him. And also Courtney Cronin, just getting 
the lay of the land, Cap, because everyone's talking about the Bears. Everyone's wondering what the Bears are going to do. You know, for years, the Bears have been ridiculed for being, you know, a, a substandard franchise, non-playoff team, pop-up playoff appearances. But I think that when Paul says we want to do things the right way, it's like, I think even, I don't know how much of a historian he is with the Bears, I have no idea, but I'm sure that he can look back through the guide and go, as a, a playoff appearance here, do, 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 do. another playoff appearance here. Do, do, do. Uh, so he's probably looking at this like, let's move all this off the books and just start over. Correct. That's a, but that's hard. I, you, know, I keep, you know, I keep going back to that's a hard sell job. What do you say in the, in the interview process? If you're being a head coach, Cap, for a college basketball team, I mean, are you, maybe at this age now, but a younger Cap, are you telling the athletic director, yeah, this team sucks. We're going to blow this whole thing up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring in play- You're going to bring in players, yeah. But can you tell a leader of men, an athletic director, or an owner, yeah, your team sucks? It's can tough. you say that? I mean, can you say that and, try, and still get the job? And he did. He did. Could you do that? And, and, and so that's my point when I feel like it's a long process. Yeah. What if I told you I could drop in a really, really accomplished pass rusher on the team and be like, wow, that's really good? You had Khalil Mack. What about another one? You had Robert Quinn. Mm-hmm. You need a speedy linebacker to play up back there. We had Roquan Smith. My point is, it's a process to keep. There's not a tree out there. You go, that offensive line tree. Give me that one and that one and that one. It's a process. Like college, you can go in the portal. You can go get this guy. You can transfer that guy. It's like a plethora of talent out there. The NFL, it's not like that. It's the I, best of the best. You know, I just want to be in a fly on the wall on that conversation that George had with Poles. Because I, I just don't I, – I don't know if I would have the temerity to tell him, like, yeah, I have some ideas on how to fix the Bears. Is one of them, you, you know, tearing the team apart or taking it down to the studs and try to rebuild it? I mean, is that – could you tell that to an owner? I'm just wondering you in that spot, though, as someone going getting a head coaching job. I think you absolutely owe that man, George, honesty. Man. Look at my roster. Bill Polian told him, you need 10 to 12 blue chippers to have a chance to make a playoff run. You've got basically Justin. That's it. Do you think he sold him on the savings first and said, this is how much cap space that we can get if we get rid of these players? I'm sure that that was a big factor, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he truly, from what I hear, George is all about, I want to win, man. It's enough. Tell me what I got to do. Lead me to the water. I'll drink it. Ryan Poles, the general manager of the Chicago Bears, will be with us next on the Cap and J Hood Morning Show. Home of the Bears. Cap and J Hood are back, holding it down in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. Broadcasting live on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Your new home of the Chicago Bears. Chi Town, stand up. Ryan Poles, the general manager of the Chicago Bears, is with us here on set. First of all, it's great to be partners with you guys and uh, yeah. the home of your games. I wanted to ask you, so you're sitting there with this number one pick, all this cap space. Is this what you envisioned, brushing your teeth, going to bed, driving in a car when you wanted to become a GM, having this situation, or is it easier to walk into more of a ready-made roster? Yeah, um, as a front office person, this is this is kind of what you dream of in terms of opportunity and flexibility, and you know, to shape a roster starting from the ground floor with 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 picks, but also um, to be able to hit for agency, and you know, 
last year was a little challenging just with the resources that we had to, had to um, work with. But at the same time, it really set the tone to be disciplined and do things the right way and going off of values that I've talked about over the, the past year. So um, I actually think this was set up properly. Um, obviously, we had to take it on the chin a little bit this year, um, but to build off our foundation that we, we set this past year and the, the way the guys played um, is a really good opportunity. I'm excited for it. We're excited about Justin Fields' development. You've talked about him a number of times where you like what you've seen and he's still got some things to work on. Yep. Uh, who does Justin Fields remind you of in football's past? Skill set, you know, leadership, demeanor? Yeah, uh, that's a tough one to compare to. I mean, some of the great um, runners, you know, if it's, you know, Mike Vick or if it's even Steve Young, um, those guys were special in the way that they moved and how they could impact the game with their legs. And then as they developed, you know, as passers, um, you start to see a really special blend and a dangerous blend in terms of being able to change a game quickly. So we're looking forward to him improving and getting better. He's hungry. Uh, that's why I absolutely love the guy because he puts the work in. He puts the work in, so uh, we're excited for his development. So one of these cliches, one of these phrases that we keep here. well, he wants his own guy. It's not his guy. And I never understood that. He's a Chicago Bear. Right. And you're a Chicago Bear. Exactly. So as you look at Justin Fields and how he impacts everything, I would think from the outside people look and go, boy, you got something special there. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And the great thing is with Matt and myself, like we talk about it all the time, like we got to develop players. So whoever's a Chicago Bear, whether they were here before or not, or we draft them, if they're a free agent, it doesn't matter. We're going to try to maximize their abilities and and, and see if they can help our team be a championship-caliber team. So um, I don't really look into who was brought in, who I brought in, who someone else brought in. If you're a Chicago Bear, you got the helmet on, we're going to try to develop you the absolute best that we can. Ryan, you know that fans are really hungry uh, for a winner, and yep. it just feels different. Cap and I talk about this every morning, how it just feels different. You're here, Kevin Warren's here, Justin's developing. In today's NFL, how quickly can a non-playoff team turn things around in this NFL? Yeah, I think every team's situation is a little bit unique um, from where they're kind of taken off from. So that one's hard to answer. I know, you know, in a three-year period, you want to see, especially that first draft class, that three-year period is really, you know, when you see what you got. Um, so within that is, is what we're looking for. But you want to get this thing started as fast as possible. The key is not doing things that will hurt you long-term in the short-term um, that can derail everything just because you're you're short, short-sighted with it. So we're going to stay disciplined and, and try to do things the right way. But I usually like to look at that rookie class and that first three-year period to see if it's hitting the right way and, and it takes part of the core of, of your team. So there's this report the other day. The Bears are leaning or trading the top pick. We're like, yeah, really? That's not a shock. Yeah. But how do you balance your sitting there? And in the end, Ian likes this guy and so-and-so likes it. In the end, it's your team. You're Correct. the GM. Yep. And you're sitting there. And whoever that guy is, Jalen Carter, John Doe, it doesn't matter. That guy's the best prospect I've ever evaluated, and he fits what we do. Yep. If I trade back to four, six, seven, whatever, he might be gone. Yeah. How do you balance that versus 
the Hall of Picks? Yeah, so the one thing we do constantly um, in any situation that we're in, we put players in certain values of how they impact our football team. You know, there's like three levels of starters, you know, guys that are going to come and impact immediately and, and take your team to the next level or guys that need, you know, a year to f- figure it out, but they're going to still start. And then there's a group that's going to rotate and needs a little bit more time to develop. So um, we're going to play the numbers game. That top row, we're going to see how many guys we got that in- in- impact our team. And then at the same time, when you start thinking about trading, you're saying, well, if we can accumulate picks, is this one player better than four right so that's the game that we got to play and and make sure that we do it the right way so we can just continue to add a lot of players to our roster that can help us get better ryan poles the general manager of the chicago bears with cap and jay hood on the home of the bears espn 1000 I'll put your uh, offensive lineman hat on just for a second yep it's always okay. on sorry so I, all right so <laughs> I, I see it. it's not turned backward it's straight, straight, straight ahead right, right. So, so uh cap and i talk a lot about braxton jones yeah and we're just wondering from your viewpoint his versatility as an offensive lineman yep. do you see him on the left side right side what do you think of his measurables and his intangibles with the team yeah um the beautiful thing about him is the intangibles are high um so we really don't put a ceiling on him i think his ability to play left or right is there i don't think that would be an issue at all um his length his feet his intelligence and really seeing his confidence grow through the season and as an offensive lineman we usually talk about corners this way but you got to have a short memory things are going to happen these elite pass rushers are going to get you there's going to be a twist that you you miss um but the short memory to come back the next play wash it away and and try to be as consistent as possible he has that um, another guy that has an incredible work ethic that just keeps putting the time in to get better. And it, it was a really cool process to see him come in from rookie minicamp and then finish the whole season. I think he played every single snap. So um, we have high expectations for him moving forward. See that cap? We're rooting for him. We've been talking about you. I like that he around. played every snap. It yeah. tells me because everybody's banged up. Yeah. He's got intestinal fortitude. Absolutely. Got to have it. Okay, so the e- I went back and looked at the Eagles O-line. Mm-hmm. There's a guy drafted in 2011, another one in 2013. Like, they built this thing over time. They had one hiccup when the Peterson left. Yep. One bad season. They're right back. Yep. How realistically, how long does it take to drop talent on the roster and then to have to learn how to win? Yeah. Um, you know, once you get the culture set up and, and you're expecting, you have your team and they're expecting to walk into every every game, you know, to win, um, you know, that shouldn't take too long um, if you bring in the right group of people. And I think the big thing with offensive line play is you have to have five that play well together. Correct. Regardless of where you're drafted, where you're coming from, can that group play together? Um, and, and the great thing is, we had our exit meetings with our players, and the one thing we learned, and we knew this, but you know, Chris Morgan does an incredible job with, with that culture, with that room, the way he has it set up. Um, it's a different group of guys, and, and I'm excited to see them develop as we add more, more talent to be a, a special group because they're just wired a little bit differently. I mean, they got barbecues going off the, yeah, yeah. You know, the back door of the facility, and they spend a lot of time together. They enjoy being together, and a lot of that has to do with Chris Morgan and the culture that he set up in that room. Ryan, uh, your former team, the Kansas City Chiefs, win the Super Bowl. What makes that organization um, so solid? Uh, and, and at championship level more times than not. Yeah, uh, it's a combination of the front office work, the coaching staff, those guys working together to improve the team every year. Um, and now 
they're in a situation where it's what I talked about expecting to win. They walk into every game expecting to win it, and that comes with a little bit of this swagger and confidence uh, that's important for the entire organization. Um, and then they do a really good job, you know, other than Pat, they do a really good job up front, right? The the way that we shifted that offensive line after, you know, getting beat up by Tampa in the Super mm-hmm. Bowl that one year, um, but also creating pass rush from different angles and different positions on the defensive line too. So up front, and we could see it in that Super Bowl, um, that dictates a lot of games and puts you in a position to win. How much does that uh, pedigree and that philosophy carry over to you being a bear? Yeah, the, that that front group is something we're going to spend a lot of time on and continue to improve and create competition. So we all want splash players. Boy, I'd like to get that guy and that guy and that Jalen Carter. Will it? I think the biggest thing, yes, you need those, is the depth of the roster. 100%. That is where you need to, and that takes more time, correct? Yeah, it takes time. Um, but also, you know, I think if you do a good job, it, I'm not going to say it's 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 not easy drafting in the first you know 50 picks first 100 picks but you got to do a really good job being able to see different traits and makeup on the back end of the draft too because uh, those guys as you accumulate them and they're developing they can provide that depth um, and the same with free agency so I really think that's important uh, as you know especially up front I was talking to one of the uh, O-line coaches I don't know if I've been on a team where the front five plays all 18 games. Mm -hmm. So that next group of guys that have to fill in have got to be ready to go and play at a high level and be able to mesh with the rest of them. Ryan Poles, general manager for the Chicago Bears with Cap and Jay Hood on the home of the Bears ESPN 1000. Um, There is that fine line, I'm sure, for Coach Iberflus to say, man, you've given me the opportunity to be the head coach. It's go time, and he wants it tomorrow but you have to preach patience in your yeah. position, right? So what stood out about uh, Coach Iberflus in his first year? He wants to impress and be able to get stuff done right away, yeah. but, of course, you're saying it's incremental progress, right? Yeah, the way that he compartmentalizes everything um, is incredible. I can't tell you how fortunate I am to have a partner that sees the game and sees a roster-building process like he does. Um, it's it's really special because as a front office person, that's what – those are the things that kind of keep you up at night, and you're wondering, like, how much patience this coach have. We're trying to do this the right way. He's all in uh, in terms of building it the right way. He's actually an incredible evaluator, which for a general manager, that's a big deal. Um, and oftentimes we're on the same page, and when we're not on the same page about a player evaluation, we'll sit down and watch them together and, and get on the same page. Um, but he gets the process, and it's it's been an absolute joy to work with him and, and do this thing the right way and, and have a level of patience to develop talent. I mean, that's a stressful thing for a coaching staff to say, you know what, we're going to play a lot of these young guys so we can build it the right way. And they've been incredible at, at doing that, especially in year one. I was watching something on NFL Network last night, and they were talking to some former executives, and one of them said, the toughest thing about being an Indian is I don't ever get to see the drills because I got this agent wants to talk about this extension. Yeah. This player needs to meet with me. My coaches want to go over this. He said, that's the thing you miss out on the most. Is that true? Um. Part, partly true. Uh, there's a lot going on that pulls you in a lot of different directions and takes you away from the main thing. But at the end of the day, I would say the interview process, sitting down with the players, face-to-face time, because that's what you don't have. We can watch as much tape as we need, but getting to know the man, there, I, I, it's a it's a grown man uh, feel. Like when someone sits down, you're like, that's a grown man. 
I want to put him in the car and take him back to Chicago with us. <laughs> I saw a few yesterday. Yeah. I said I'd like to load him up. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's what you're looking for in that process. That's important. Yeah. Usually we're all locked into that. Nothing's going to take us out of the room for, for that. And then it's the medical piece that no one really sees, but that's the really important piece of the combine. Um, in terms of the movement stuff, again, you can always go back and watch that on tape. You really shouldn't get too far away from the fall tape anyways because that, that's the football player. You can be fooled with the stuff in shorts. So if that you get pulled away from some of that, it's part of the process. You know, you don't lose too much sleep over, over missing, missing that. Correct. You can always go back and do it. And, again, you don't want to be influenced too much um, because the further we get away from the football tape, uh, the more mistakes you can make. Speaking of sleep, okay, so you just you have your personal time, mm-hmm. and also this is your draft time. What's what personal the, time? Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> exactly. yeah, oh, there's no, there's yeah. gotta be some pros. You gotta sleep at some point, right? Yeah. That's your personal time, right? Yeah, you gotta exactly. Put, you gotta put your head on the pillow at some point, right? Yeah, yep. What's the latest call that you've received from a team? One o'clock in the morning, a little midnight action? You know what? I think, um, which, uh, what's mo- the latest call? Most teams. There's a level of respect for the different time zones, and you think about that before, but mm-hmm. uh, nothing crazy. Nine, ten o'clock would probably be the latest. Okay, because if this this guy, it's probably midnight or one a.m. Yeah, I'm just asking. I'm just telling because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, my partner here likes to have one-on-one communication. He doesn't yeah. realize text is a thing. <laughs> yeah. So, so you like to be a phone guy. Call. He's yeah. a phone guy yep. still, like the 1980s. So, so, <laughs> but, so, but the texts and the calls, it's like they cut off nine or ten o'clock. They respect your time, right? Yeah, and the other thing too is I'm. I'm getting better at um you know i joke about personal time but i'm getting better learning through this first year um you do have to put the phone down you know i try to charge it in the bathroom instead of right next to my bed because i'll be going through everything yeah uh, at all hours of the night and um you know using a little uh the sleep uh mode just yeah. to kind of shut things down and and rest so you know you're fresh enough to make good decisions you also talked yesterday when you met with the media yeah there is a scenario where i could trade before free agency so that you go to free agency go i actually don't need that three technique because i got this one in a deal yeah but the medical part that you just referenced is such a huge part of everything is it more likely a trade doesn't happen this week because i got to see the medicals i really like that kid i can't believe he's got a degenerative this right yeah, you know, but the timing works out all right. Um, so we can stay open-minded with that. Um, when we get out of here, we'll have a, a good idea of where, you know, if someone's, you know, flagged, we can have some conversations early next week um, or even this week as things are happening uh, to discuss where that's at and what our numbers look like, you know, in that certain range where we feel comfortable. So so there was a story that when the Bears signed Julius Peppers, they chartered a plane. Mm-hmm. Lovey's on it. Jerry Angelo's on it. They fly down, and they call, all right, we're at the door. Let us in. Right. Boom, five minutes, deal, done. Right. Does that still go on, and do you have a charter plane at Chicago Executive waiting to go somewhere? Yeah. No, you know, I, I don't think that happens as much. Um, I think that's a unique situation, but uh, if we need to do that, we will. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, at moment's notice, if there's a guy you're going to key in on, yeah. you'll be at the doorstep, Let's go. right? Yep, absolutely. What's Kevin Warren like? Awesome. Um, we've taken some time, maybe four or five times, to sit down and get to know each other, talk about different topics, discuss where we're going as a team. Um, it's been it's been really good, and I've had I have an unbelievable relationship with Ted uh, as well. But um, 
it's been really good to sit down and, and, and discuss kind of how the first year went, where we're headed, what direction we're going, um, how he sees things just from his experience, um, and really bringing knowledge from a totally different sp- experience than what's in the building right now. So um, great man. Um, I'm excited to have him. And, um, you know, there's something between us. I think it, it, it works really, really well. Before we let you go, what's one thing? Oh, I didn't realize that was going to be something I'd have to deal with as a general manager because you think you know what you're walking into, you never yeah. do. Oh, man, there's so many things that pop up where you're like, you know, I mean, you know, Foose and I, were, we've talked about the, the turf in the stadium, like what kind of grass, you know, we're redoing uh, the indoor turf. Uh, in the Walter Payton Center, and we have samples out of all the the fill that you put in the, uh-huh. the turf and the different types of companies. So we're like touching the turf and talking about like, <laughs> so just things like that um, that you never had to deal with before. Yeah, that you never have to deal with before. And then it's just the um, it's the unexpected. It's you know with so many people in the football operations, there's there's different things constantly going on that you're like. I can't believe I'm dealing with this, you know, that just hit from left field. But um, at the end of the day, you're a problem solver. Like, that's what this job is, is problem solving and, and setting up an organization to be successful and run properly. So, um, yeah, it, there's all kinds of things. I can't even think of all of them right now, but there's a ton of surprises. But that bed and facility is still comfortable. You told us last time oh, yeah. we spoke that bed yeah. is nice and comfortable. Thread count exactly how you want it. Yeah, exactly how I want it. Used it a lot last year. Now that we uh, we live right around the corner, so I can at least make it home now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Absolutely. We look awesome. forward to working with you. I had a blast. You Me got too. it. All the best. All right. Ryan Poles, the general manager for the Chicago Bears, with us on Cap and J. Hood on the home of the Bears, ESPN 1000.